every Indian, no matter where he may be living at the present time, has a duty towards his country and he must contribute his due share towards the final victory. The task of liberating India is ours and ours alone. 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 फोर्थ ऑगस्ट 2019 मिडनाइट महबूबा मुफ्ती उमर अब्दुल्ला अमंग अदर्स अबुट अंडर हाउस अरेस्ट पैरामिलिट्री फोर्सेस पेट्रोल द स्ट्रीट्स वाइल द पीपल ऑफ कश्मीर स्लीप पीसफुली अनअवेयर दैट अ फ्यू मेन इन दिल्ली वी गो टू चेंज द लाइव फॉर एवर गुड मॉर्निंग एंड वेलकम टू द फोर्थ एपिसोड ऑफ थिंग दिस इज शिबानी In the past few days, I've seen some of the darkest days for Indian democracy. We as citizens are stunned at the state of affairs and a sense of helplessness that has taken over the country. Although some of us might agree or disagree to the political happenings, the strategy making, or possible repercussions of this policy, I feel for the both of our side and Suparnika's side, it is safe to say that we absolutely. condemn the execution of this policy and the severe human rights violation that have been taken place in Kashmir and are still taking place today we have heard very few reports of the violence taking place on the streets the increased military presence and the plight of kashmiri citizens in their own homes in their own city want allowed to access food ration because of that and in light of that it becomes even more important for us to talk about why the policy which has been executed has happened what is the history behind it and really really delve into the nuances of the dealings in kashmir jammu and kashmir has throughout history been a very strongly contested over territory we begin with the rajput dogras they took over parts of jammu and kashmir and really consolidated their hold on the northern mountainous state by the 1840s and they were the largest princely state at the time of independence in india as the basic rule that was followed for the partition muslim majority areas were said to become a part of pakistan while hindu dominated areas were said to be a part of india this was largely what the two nation theory was proposing however certain inconsistencies existed when the ruler was hindu and the praja people were muslim or vice versa the question became a little more difficult kashmir is one of those situations we had maharaja hari singh the king of kashmir at the time of partition he given the power of his state given the strategic position of his state decided to neither go for pakistan neither go for india but to sign a standstill agreement with both the governments of these countries and To, in, in attempts to make Kashmir the Switzerland of the East, mm-hmm. the neutral country amidst all the political instability. However, this may be a root of the problem today: is that Kashmir was never allowed to, or never managed to maintain that neutrality for a very long period of time. Who are the players in this story? Let's begin with a very familiar name, Sheikh Mohammed Abdullah. Sheikh Mohammed Abdullah was the son of a shawl merchant and he took to 
politics uh, at a young age he had socialist ideas and he opposed uh, maharaja hari singh making these decisions for a people who sheikh abdullah felt that the maharaja didn't really connect with and this is where the political antagonism in our story really begins sheikh mohammed abdullah was chosen um as a part of a delegation that was to be sent to the maharaja to appeal against the decision of a standstill agreement that delegation was called the all jammu kashmiri muslim conference and this body would later turn into what we today know as the national conference abdullah would then go on to accumulate a lot of power mostly from the people who supported uh, his policies and his demeanor he was a very charming very powerful man and he also had very strong connection with some powerful leaders in the on the indian mainland such as jawaharlal nehru a lot of um, this decision making that was taking its own time and its own direction came to a standstill on the 22nd of october 1947 this is when there was a tribal infiltration pathani tribes of northwest frontier which is considered today as pakistan occupied kashmir there were two major repercussions of this infiltration beginning in kashmir number one maharaja hari singh for the first time began to severely fear for the future of the hindus of jammu kashmir and more importantly arguably for himself the future of his own dynasty this is when he reached out to the indian government to ask them to provide military reinforcement to save jammu and kashmir from this infiltration this led to what is now known as the signing of the instrument of accession there is a lot of debate amongst historians about the strategization that happened behind this signing of the instrument of accession a document that india will continue to position as its primary proof of uh, kashmir being an inviolable part of the indian subcontinent arguments such as for example the role of mount patton the last viceroy of india when the maharaja asked for military help kinehru and sadar patel were in the argument of providing it or not providing it but mount patton argued that it would be against international law to send your armed force into another state until and unless it is not a part of your own country it's a, it's a side argument a secondary argument that people make that the british largely supported the pakistani claim on kashmir oh. in this argument and the reason why is the 1948 coincided with the creation of israel and the british empire felt an urgent need to placate all muslims across the world and for this reason across half across the globe they supported pakistan on their claim in kashmir as well this instrument of accession was signed on the 26th august 1947 the very next day the, the indian national army entered jammu and kashmir 28 dakotas and a lot of private airlines were taken by the mm, indian yeah. army their interiors were ripped apart and they were made into military weapons the success rate of the indian army in kashmir was fairly fast tribal infiltration that had reached you know positions like uri had reached very close to areas of jammu you could equally divide the the reaction between the indian army and the people of jammu and kashmir led majorly by sheikh mohammed abdullah in a time where the national army itself could not navigate through the mountains of kashmir or the it is sheikh abdullah who 
very often used to take up patrolling within um, the cities of Jammu and Kashmir. And uh, the community raised or mobilized by him was largely responsible in aiding the Indian National Army to push out this infiltration and retake a lot of this land that had been lost to them. So within a few months, the Indian National Army was able to push back. Now came the political idea of where does Jammu and Kashmir stand vis-a-vis the newly formed Indian Union. So a couple of options were available to Jammu and Kashmir at this point. Number one was to join Pakistan. Now before we answer this question for you, let's try and understand the geographical nature of Jammu and Kashmir, which is of ultimate importance while understanding what's happening there right now. So if you begin from the northmost point of Kashmir, yeah. you have large mountainous areas like Gilgit, like Baltistan. Mm-hmm. When you come to the south, you have the valley of Kashmir yeah. and you have the plains of Jammu. Now the plains of Jammu are largely Hindu dominated, while the valley of Kashmir is largely Muslim dominated. Moving to the east side, you have Leh and Ladakh, which are again mountainous areas and vast plains of land, largely Buddhist in their demographic. But understanding why these demographies can can give rise to different political aspirations is very, very important. While Kashmir and pockets of Kashmir, and this is where we're going to give you the example of this area called Poonch, is where, I mean, this is a small town which largely became the headquarters of this anti-India, pro-Pakistan sentiment. So until 1936, and this I'm quoting directly from Ramachandra India after Gandhi, Poonch had been ruled by a subsidiary clan of the Dogra ruling family. So during the Second World War, many Muslims from Poonch had served in the British Indian Army. They came back as demobilized soldiers and were also very consciously political in their behavior since their return. The rule of the Maharaja had been challenged already by Sheikh Muhammad Abdullah and this challenge was what was carried to extreme extents within Poonch, which became a centre of violent extremism. The idea to join India was largely based on Sheikh Muhammad Abdullah's relationship with Jawaharlal Nehru, the then Prime Minister of India. Both Abdullah and Nehru were socialists in their outlook, political outlook. And this link was a very important link that tied Kashmir closely to the Indian Union for a very long time. Third was an idea of staying independent, this idea of Kashmiriyat. Despite being a very impractical idea, given how contentious this area is, this idea would re-emerge once in a while in Kashmiri history. Sheikh Muhammad Abdullah at one point, with American allies, was arguing for the independence of Kashmir. There was an incident that Guha quotes in his book which talks about an American ambassador having visited Sheikh uh, Muhammad Abdullah and there was some secret conversation that took place. These conversations have never been made public by either party. But it is rumoured that those are talks of independence and promises that, you know, at every point in time, 5,000 Americans will reside in Kashmir and each one of three houses in Kashmir will have electricity and each houseboat will be occupied. Those were big promises made of economic development in Kashmir. But this idea, because it was so dangerous to the Union of India and Pakistan, was never really allowed light of day. The fourth idea is an idea of getting partitioned further. And this is where things get interesting. Arguments largely have uh, given both by Dixon and B.R. Ambedkar argue for a partition of Kashmir on 
communal ideas that hindu majority areas and buddhist majority areas will join the indian union while muslim majority areas will join the country of pakistan now although these ideas at a moment in time when they could have happened they did not and 70 years down the line to do it now is politically very impractical however what's to what amitsha has done and what danish will talk to you later in the podcast about this idea of dividing it into two union territories i think harks back to this kind of partitioning idea that came up early in its history but more on that later pakistan kept uh, kept challenging india's claim on kashmir for a very very long time and the main basis of this challenge and this i would like to mention one of the biggest arguments that was um, made in the unsc was that the instrument of accession was signed under great duress being put on gunpoint and made to sign a document that document no longer stays legally viable and that was the argument that pakistan largely made question then becomes why did nehru go to the un in the first place because i would argue, i would assume that you involving a third party and india on the advice of mountbatten on the advice of mountbatten had who was our former viceroy decided to do this and we felt that we had a large claim on kashmir that was not refutable and going to the un would cement our claim on kashmir once and for all but india was in for a roller coaster ride because the the kashmir dispute soon became an india pakistan dispute about who had more claim on this princely state stuck sandwiched in the middle of these two new countries any decision of the united nations usually cannot be enforced on any government mm. but however the security council has powers to do so india would go back to the un again in a couple of years and decision that was taken in the un was to have a, a plebiscite which is to say that each resident of kashmir would be asked to vote in favor either of india pakistan or independence however india on that front never undertook or never carried out the plebiscite nehru for a very long time argued that the demography of kashmir had been compromised by alien pakistani elements to such a large extent that the vote is diluted until all these alien elements are removed from kashmir a plebiscite cannot happen and pakistan on the other hand it sort of became a tautology in that sense that until the plebiscite doesn't happen we will not pull out, pull out these elements and the ceasefire agreements two conditions first pakistan to move back yes and then india to take to this because that's the only way to go about it which the neither parties have done so that was yeah. an unresolved question that yeah, was no. left you know hanging and even in 1950s and three even jawaharlal nehru when things became relatively easier he says that you know the time is kind of ripe to conduct this plebiscite but due to the cold war politics going at that further tensions got got escalated and this option never really got exercised which was the original option so let me explain to you what danish means by that what is the cold war and how does that impact the jammu and kashmir question the cold war is called the cold war because it was largely lukewarm or cold for a large part of the western nations involved in this russia the ussr back then and the united states of america were largely the two antagonizing powers in the cold war as most of us did in our school days of making gangs against people we were afraid of or we were fighting against like eagle gang for example in um, the shahrukh khan movie called josh 
सो यूएसएसआर मेड इट्स ओन गैंग इंडिया वॉज रूमर्ड टू बी पार्ट ऑफ दैट गैंग ऑल दो ऑन पेपर वी हैड समथिंग ऑल द नॉन अलाइनमेंट मूवमेंट फिश नेहरू बिगैन बट नेहरू वॉज सेट टू हैव सॉरी इंक्लिनेशन टूवर्ड्स रशिया यूएस बिकेम वेरी पैरानोइड अबाउट दिस कॉम्युनिस्ट थ्रेड टेकिंग ओवर द वर्ल्ड एंड अ लॉट ऑफ इट्स इट्स इंटरेस्ट इन द कश्मीर इश्यू ऑल्सो स्टेम फ्रॉम दिस आइडिया दैट कश्मीर कुड बी अ बॉर्डर स्टेट टू फाइट ऑफ और टू रिस्ट्रिक्ट द ग्रोथ ऑफ कॉम्युनिज्म इन ईस्ट एशिया और एशिया इट्स इन दैट पावर प्ले दैट्स टेकिंग ओवर द वर्ल्ड एट दिस पॉइंट अमेरिका इज बैकिंग अ कंट्री लाइक पाकिस्तान विच इट कैन गिव फंडिंग टू इट कैन गिव मिलिट्री रिसोर्सेज टू and it can sort of uh lower to its side of capitalist thought whereas ussr till the time of indira gandhi was reported to hand out these sort of favors to india to lower it to its own side so this power struggle continued for a very very long time until the fall of ussr in 1991 coming back to our part of the story however at this time what is happening in kashmir you know imagine it like a non confrontational parent you know you come back home one day you messed up at home your parent knows you know but nobody is really making a decision about it so there's a sense of mistrust there's a sense of tension in the air where there is unresolved issues and that is exactly what kashmir has been sort of thriving under all these years kashmir the political system in kashmir was uh, hierarchized in a way where the sadar e riyasat was a constitutional monarchy where the rajput dogra king hari hari singh and later his son karan singh were given a role fairly similar to queen elizabeth however the real power resided in the prime minister's hands and sheikh mohammed abdullah took over as a prime minister with with more than enough backing from delhi and sheikh abdullah when he was in power would lead to a lot of good policies he would you know distribute land he would increase pri- purchasing prices of ag- agriculture so those things are much celebrated you know in his time of in his uh, time of rule and he was called the lion of kashmir and you know celebrated as the people's leader for a very long time however it is said that soon this idea of power began to get to him where it you know this comfort or this confidence in his people became an arrogance of his power and his command over kashmir and soon this would crumble 1950s is is an important time for the union of india and for jammu kashmir both here we talk about three things the citizen the constitution and the kanun let's start with the kanun political machinations began to happen in kashmir vis-a-vis not holding the plebiscite or the center or delhi trying to interfere a lot, a lot into kashmir and how it was being ruled in that sense the indian constitution has been formed and has been accepted in 1950 which is why we we celebrate republic day and the indian constitution will have some very important elements vis-a-vis jammu and kashmir that dan should talk to you about i'll just tag them for you these are the article 370 article 35a but in basic what the constitution allowed if i can just give you a summary of it the existence for example of two flags and two constitutions to exist within the same political environment this is what came under great questioning for a very very long time In July 1952, Sheikh Abdullah met Nehru in Delhi, and they reached a compromise called the Delhi Agreement, whereby Kashmiris would become full citizens of India in exchange for an autonomy far greater than that enjoyed by other states of the Indian Union. This is uh, quoted from Ramachandra Guha, 
India after Gandhi. Somebody who was not the resident of Kashmir could no longer buy land in Kashmir. That came from a fear that the demography of Kashmir would then become diluted eventually. The Indian Union could only interfere in matters of foreign foreign affairs, defense, and defense and communication. Then this introduces the concept of Article Thirty Five A into the Constitution while through a presidential order. All right. So the situation at this point also wasn't as black and white as we are portraying it to you. There was a large voice that was becoming more dominant in Kashmir. That was a very pro-India, uh, fully joining India voice that was championed by. What what would become the Praja Parishad movement? There was a party called Jammu Praja Parishad. This party would later join the Bharatiya Jansang led by Shyam Prasad Mukherjee. They championed slogans such as "Ek Vidhan, Ek Pradhan, Ek Nishan," and later the the slogan also became "Ek Desh Me Do Vidhan, Do Pradhan, Do Nishan Nahi Chalenge." The larger idea was that this duality of state is not excusable in a in a union and. they wanted full integration with india a, a decision that sheikh abdullah himself was not willing to take it is alienating abdullah from a large demographic that used to be his loyal fans for a very very long and alienation from the outside began seeping to the inside the national conference would soon experience a rift in its power that uh, guha argues that was encouraged by members of the secret service from the indian union itself but these uh, that is up to you to decide if you want to believe that or not however the national conference began to get divided across very strong fundamental lines on 21st august it was rumored that sheikh abdullah now sort of megalomaniac in terms of power would announce his freedom from both india and pakistan at this time you have nehru sending the letters to his sisters talking about how unruly abdullah has become how you know he is acting very strange he is acting very unlike himself now this begs the question that was nehru trying to control kashmir through his friend and the moment his friend began think to think otherwise nehru understood that this friend is no longer useful what that resulted in was a sort of a coup that took place within jammu and kashmir legislation in quick succession a lot of things happened sheikh uh, mohammad abdullah was one fine day put under house arrest while the sadar e riyasat the king of uh, kashmir removed him from his prime ministership and placed bakshi gulam mohammad as the new prime minister at the moment of being told what has happened sheikh mohammad abdullah had said who is he to remove me from power <clears throat> so that sort of arrogance about you know who the hell is a maharaja to remove me from power shows the sort of stagnancy and the complacency that had set in to abdullah being in power within kashmir however bakshi Gram Muhammad, there he thereafter very commonly known as Bakshi, um, complete control of the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Bakshi has been infamous about his levels of corruption that he practiced in ruling Kashmir. So so much so that Kashmir's uh, governance began to be known as BBC, Bakshi Brothers Cooperation. So although a lot of development happened in Kashmir in terms of investment, public investment, school creation, road creation, a lot of these projects used to go to his own his own siblings. that is a very common phenomena in kashmir even today a lot of the argumentation that we hear in news um, danish in relation to what's happening in kashmir is that the corruption will now end that timber markets that were largely exploited by umar abdullah and his the three political 
families of Kashmir will now be under central jurisdiction, central control, central purview. Bakshi Gulam Mohammed now has become Prime Minister. Sheikh is now in house arrest and this house arrest would stay till 1968. And it Not is said 1968. that... 1968 is the final year in which the house arrest ends and the jail term ends and he is finally free from the scrutiny of the central government. Coming to our older story of the Bharatiya Jan Sangh, right? Now, where does this come in? Shyama Prasad Mukherjee was a nationalist hero, a nationalist uh, activist uh, from the time of Mahatma Gandhi's days, right? But Shyama Prasad Mukherjee never really championed Mahatma Gandhi's methods. He would never go on Satyagraha such. He would never go on hunger strikes because he felt that bureaucracy or the state is the only way of making tangible change. However, this came to a complete flip when Shama Prasad Mukherjee, a Calcutta-born man, came to the question of Kashmir. What baffled him was the idea of this Vidhan. Do Vidhan, Do, do Pradhan and Do Nishan question. And for the first time in his life, a bureaucratic man who sits in his government offices in central Delhi took a flight to Kashmir and undertook a protest in Shamshan Mukherjee by this time was gaining a lot of public um, support and garnering nationwide attention. And this is where a new element enters the discussion. That the idea and the conflict of Kashmir no longer remains a Delhi-Kashmir issue. It now starts permeating throughout the nation of India. So Shamshan Mukherjee, and this I think Danish is where the story takes a very unfortunate turn, is taken into jail in Srinagar. Very soon after being taken into jail, Shama Prasad Mukherjee experiences ill health and by what is believed to be a heart, a heart attack, passes away very soon within the jail itself. It is said that when his body came back to Calcutta, large processions took place to just touch the body or to see the body. What Shana Prasad Mukherjee had not been able to achieve in his life, achieved in his death, sort of martyrdom that would, you know, shine over the question of Kashmir for years and years to come. The next chapter that I feel is important to talk about is the 1960s. India has just emerged out of a very embarrassing war with China and entered into a very dangerous war, which is Pakistan. 1965 was a very important year politically as well. To win the war was very essential, and India did win the war, which would not be the only war India fights with Pakistan on Kashmir and on other issues of sovereignty. You would have a repeat telecast of this, for example, in 1971. The 71 war was ended by a Shim- by the Shimla Agreement that was signed by Zulfikar Ali Bhutto and Indira Gandhi. What was discussed was Jammu and Kashmir. Two major agreements that keep uh, that are that are repeatedly mentioned in news telecasts even today are the Shimla Agreement of 1972 and the Lahore Declaration of 1999. The, the latter was signed by Atal Bihari Vajpayee and Nawaz Sharif. Both these agreements have have two major features. Uh, one is to say that all uh, all dealings with Kashmir and all discussions or decisions about Kashmir will be undertaken bilaterally between Pakistan and India. No third party will be brought into the question, which firmly grounds the idea that only Pakistan and India have a claim on Kashmir in that sense. The second is that Jammu and Kashmir is an inviolable part of the Indian Union. Both of these has been questioned multiple times throughout history. Very very recently, with the idea of Trump telling Imran Khan that Modi had asked him to interfere in the Jammu and Kashmir question, which is a political event sparked what happened in the Indian Parliament on the 5th of August 2019. Talking about what's happening in the Indian Parliament is very important and to understand the nuances of what Amit Shah as Home Minister did 
is essential for us to understand the problem of Kashmir and what's been executed. Danish, more on that. So on the 5th of August, around 11am, Mr. Shah enters and without giving anyone the warning of what he's about to do, he tables four things on the Rajya Sabha dais and the first one, a constitutional order, number 272. The second is a constitutional order, 273. The third is a statutory resolution, 272 constitutional order. And the fourth one is the Jammu and Kashmir Reorganization Bill of 2019. We really have to understand all these documents importantly because it changes the face of Jammu and Kashmir, transforms Kashmir from an autonomous state to two union territories. One union territory of Ladakh, which is without a legislative assembly, and second, the union territory of Jammu and Kashmir with the legislative assembly much like Delhi and Pondicherry. The most important document out of all of this is the Presidential Order 272. From the Delhi Agreement of 1952, this compromise was achieved between Jawaharlal Nehru and Sheikh Abdullah that they would insert Article 35 as a way to safeguard the interests and rights of permanent residents of Jammu and Kashmir. This Article 35 and other articles were introduced into the Jammu and Kashmir constitution and into the Indian constitution by use of Article 370. Article 370's title reads as Temporary and Transition Provisions relating to the state of Jammu and Kashmir. First clause, which is the most important, says, notwithstanding anything in this constitution, all matters which are in the union list and the concurrent list would be applied to the constitution Jammu and Kashmir with the concurrence of the state of Jammu and Kashmir and all provisions with regard to the state list which are mentioned in the Delhi Agreement signed with Nehru and Abdullah will be with the consultation. The main difference which I want to impress upon my listeners is that the nuance between concurrence and consultation. The explanation also I want to mention Article 370, Clause 1, Subclause C tells me that the provisions of Article 1 shall apply in relation to that state. Article 1 of the Indian Constitution says that India, that is Bharat, is a union of states and this union of states also includes Jammu and Kashmir, which basically tells me that this constitution will only and only apply in relation to our under Article 370, Clause 1, Subclause D, the constitution provisions could be applied to the state from time to time as modified by the president through a presidential order. Please keep this word modified in your mind because this word is used as a weapon to destroy this article. Perhaps the most important part of Article 370 is proviso to Clause 3. Clause 3 itself authorizes the president to pass an order removing or modifying parts of Article 370. The proviso is stated as provided that the recommendation of the constituent assembly of the state referred to in clause 2 shall be necessary before the president issues a notification. So this basically means that in order to abrogate article 370 itself, you need to have the recommendation of the constituent assembly of the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Now 
the state of jammu and kashmir was to have a constitution which was given by the constituent assembly of jammu and kashmir in 1957 back then in 1957 the constituent assembly got over its work was done the question here remains that since the constituent assembly is no longer in operation is this provision temporary or has gained permanence over the years this point was dealt by the supreme court in a very interesting judgment of mohammad maqbul damnu versus the state of jammu and kashmir and the second judgment of sampat prakash versus the state of jammu and kashmir the court says that the specific purpose of article 370 was to maintain this link between the constitution of india and the constitution of the state of jammu and kashmir because of the external aggression if i might say that or the state of war existing at that time but since that time this condition of the state of jammu and kashmir has not ceased yet which means that the state of jammu and kashmir still has that part pakistan occupied kashmir and still the plebiscite hasn't been uh, you know continued hence there was a need for this article to be continued but according to the ministry of home affairs and according to mr ramit shah the article has lost its relevance just because of the fact that it begins with the word temporary and and the ministry of home affairs even argues that they have compared all 552 instruments of accession with the instrument of accession of jammu and kashmir and on this premise they're saying that since the instrument of accession doesn't anywhere mention the word temporary we don't really see why this article needs to give a permanent position now coming back to to the two resolutions and the one reorganization the government uses the power of the president under article 371 to amend article 373 which means that the government itself is giving the power to the president to amend article 373 via a third provision article 367 367 lays down definitions of various provisions for example what is taxes what is fee article 367 has been amended to introduce the definition of sadare riyasat sadare riyasat has to be read as the legislative assembly of the state now the legislative assembly of the state has been replaced with sadare riyasat In other words, this is what has happened. The legislative assembly of the state is under suspended animation because the president's rule is there on Jammu and Kashmir for quite a while. Which basically means that the president can pass this constitutional order on the recommendation of the legislative assembly of the state, which the government has done. This is how the whole system has been triggered. So the interplay of three articles, Article three hundred seventy one. Article three hundred seventy-three and other Article three hundred sixty-seven. Now coming back to the statutory resolution, a resolution in pursuance of a statute, which also includes a constitution. Article three hundred seventy-three gives the power of the president to say that the provisions of Article three seventy are suspended. That the Parliament approves this action of the president to abrogate provisions of Article three seventy. I would request my listeners to read the the two. a uh, government notifications the two presidential orders and the started resolution because it really now moving to the question whether it is constitutionally valid or not the main emphasis on how it is constitutionally ordered goes back to the decision of the supreme court in purinlal lakhnpal 
Purana Lakhampal said that Article 371 gives the gives the president the power to transformationally change the provisions of the constitution through a presidential order. This is why how the word the word modify has been interpreted by the Supreme Court. A lot of people are saying that it is not, it is constitutionally valid because modification under the modification the president can do whatever he wants. A lot of people are even saying that this is not constitutionally valid because this is a fraud on the constitution. Because the legislative assembly of the state is not in existence anymore. You are changing the character of the state without the state legislature, without the people being knowing about it. So this is the constitutional tussle. How the government of India has defended it? The government of India says that for us, Article 370 is a temporary provision because the title of the article says so. According to them, the government and Mr. Amit Shah, the constitutional assembly having given the constitution to the state of Jammu and Kashmir ratifies that the state of Jammu and Kashmir has given up its temporary provision. Why the government wants to abrogate Article 35A? The government has two simple reasons. Firstly, the article is against gender rights. Secondly, the Article 35A has taken the rights of scheduled tribes to be adequately represented in the political representation of the government of state of Jammu and Kashmir. These two reasons are quite valid because the Article 35A, if the women marry someone outside the state of Jammu and Kashmir, she loses her right to property as an inheritance. If, if the father is not a permanent resident of the Jammu and Kashmir, the children are also barred in a lot of other acts. Secondly, the STs, even though they some around 15% of the po entire population in Jammu and Kashmir are not adequately represented. So the question lies here. A lot of people are arguing the events unfolding in Afghanistan are, are, are one of the main reasons by, given by the government to you know bring about this kind of transformational change in the constitution of Jammu and Kashmir. As it is, US is going to pull out of Afghanistan. And Taliban, which was basically uh, an insurgent operation, is going to take over the parliament of Afghanistan soon. Which It's funny to note also that uh, Taliban is requesting both the governments of Pakistan and India to maintain peace yeah. and dialogue. We have had very strong international reactions to what India has done. Um, even though the Indian government is trying to portray a very happy image by sending uh, the national security advisor... Uh, to Kashmir, to Srinagar, to, to eat biryani, to eat biryani, to serve biryani. All the while stopping, for example, Gulam Nabi Azad, who was the former former chief minister of Jammu Kashmir, even entering the state, um, keeping member of the from house to house, and not la allowing these um, leaders uh, to um, campaign. Sitaram Yachuri was detained at the airport as well. The Indian government is trying to portray a very peaceful sort of reaction. As you may have seen in Narendra Modi's speech to the public very recently, he talks in very glorious terms about development, about tourism, about um, Bollywood coming into shooting films in Kashmir, for example. But internationally, this has been condemned very, very vocally. The Amnesty International has very vehemently opposed the move. China has vehemently opposed the move. Pakistan. Pakistan has taken a severe uh, decision to, to sever diplomatic connections by... Samjhauta Express they're saying and all that. Uh, 
they're cancelling um, train expresses, they are sending back advisors and using soft power to negotiate. Another point that I wanted to argue now, Shibani, is that the important repercussion of this is that Jammu and Kashmir has been created as a separate union territory. Will it become the same like what we're seeing in Delhi? This tussle between the lieutenant governor and the Delhi government on this point, I want to make sure that three things are clear. Firstly, the Delhi government does not have the provision of land under its control. All the land in Delhi government goes to the central government. Whereas in Jammu and Kashmir, land is given to the state government, which is kind of a beneficial provision because land is a major issue in Jammu and Kashmir for the government as well. Even so more for the people. Secondly, anti-corruption bureau, the powers of the anti-corruption bureau in Delhi are not clear. But in Jammu and Kashmir, the powers of the anti-corruption bureau are with the central government, which really might help us with the problem that we've seen in, uh, in the past with regard to BBC. I mean, I'm hopeful that this provision is used to check rampant corruption in Jammu and Kashmir and not let BBC happen again. Third important power is with the central services. The provisions in the act are beneficial for more and more citizens and increasing amount of representation has been given to STs to central services. So even though the government has used women and STs as kind of a shield for this brazen attack, I'm I'm hopeful that this provision really helps out the minorities. But again, as we state, stated Shivani, the, the execution of this process is very problematic. So now coming to the last segment of our podcast, Tanish and I will, I think, take the liberty of very candidly talking to you about what our personal reactions have been to this move. Um, I remember I was inside um, the National Archives on research where I got a text from Danish, um, a screenshot of a newspaper article saying that this has happened. And my first reaction was of shock and awe because I never thought in my lifetime this will happen and I never thought in my lifetime the Kashmir issue will be, at least a decision will be taken about it because for me, it is one of the top two most contentious issues uh, facing India for the past God knows how long, 70 years almost. I think a lot of shock that came to us as citizens came from the idea of how it is executed. Till now, you aren't, uh, people living outside Kashmir aren't being able to talk to their families. There is no communication to, um, you know, if everybody's okay, if, there's, if they're undergoing any problems. Medicine, um, medical sh- shops and national shops have now been opened. And I don't think we realize the immensity of a lockdown such as this. It just goes to show that a government can do whatever it wishes if it just puts its, put its military in hand down. You know, that was, I think, for me the most shocking part. And then Twitter and Instagram and Facebook was ripped apart by everybody putting up their opinions. But I think what I have personally come to experience is that this policy needs to take its own time to work itself out. Yeah. In the, in the near future, I am willing to bet that we're going to face a lot of violent, negative repercussions because of how we've, how brazenly we've cried, we've carried, we've carried this out. But in the far future, um, if I could agree with some of these center-right opinions on Twitter, that this had to be done one day or the other. Given its location, given its politically contentious uh, history, Kashmir would have a very difficult time being the Swiss Switzerland of the East um, given the present day and age 
and I feel like Sheikh uh, Mohammed Abdullah felt that the Indian Union is slightly a, a, a more stable union for it to join. However, that's my personal opinion. I am just uh, currently very worried about people in Kashmir. I'm worried about how they're feeling, how they're facing all of this, how they're working in a state that's under lockdown, that is completely run over by military, paramilitary forces. And, you know, I think small things like rights that we take for granted have been have been denied to Kashmiris for so long. And that doesn't seem fair to me at all. So if at all this is for the better of Kashmir, I am all for it. But our government needs to be careful about how it does these things. Because there is a connection to means and ends that needs to be kept in mind here. Yeah. You can't just assume good things will happen and do it the harsh way. Motorway needs to take a rein back. Yeah. You know? Um, I would like to first and foremost put this fact across that there have been 273 constitutional orders. There has been a complete increasing dilution of 300 article 370 through 65 years. I don't understand the need of this execution in this manner. I don't understand that how can you use one certain provision under CRPC to completely put a lockdown on the state. I really can't grasp that the, that the parliament has allowed this yeah. dire attack on yeah. the constitution. The constitution was made in certain way to give the union a certain edge. But all the inherent limitations of the constitution to maintain the state autonomy are going one day by day. Mm. You see right from the privy purses, the privy purses were abolished by Mrs. Gandhi. You see today, you see a complete dilution towards a centralization of government power, which is very dangerous. Mm. And the government says that, you know, we will give statehood at one time. How will that be brought forward is a, a very limitless debate. Yeah. And I also feel that even if I agree on some level that Kashmir is an invaluable part of the Indian Union and it has had it has been invested with taxpayers' money for all these years, be it material connection, be it emotional connection, be it a uh, political connection, there is a connection. But given the nature of government, from co- from an era of coalition, we've come to an era of one-party domination. Yeah. And that is what scares me. That if there is an ideological intrusion, an ideological self-interest, then where do we stand, right? Because, I mean, one can even argue that nationalism itself is a construct. And that a construct is something that the people of Kashmir have been suffering for for so many days. So if you believe in the absoluteness of an Indian nation, then I'm sure you're happy about what's happened. But if you believe in the absoluteness of human value, of human rights, then this is a shameful moment for our democracy. And where does this stop? Tomorrow it can be Nagaland. Day after tomorrow it can be Mizoram. The constitution itself has given... I mean, I don't want to blame the constitution, but it has to be given some blame, right? I the think that the, con- the constitution was the weapon that Amit Shah placed yeah. on the shoulders of the president and launched, yeah. you know. And that is what scares us the most. If, if, it was, if it was a one-man army, people say this, that it was a one-man army, one man decided, one man didn't decide. Oh team of people very smartly if I might add were were able to manipulate laws and clauses in our own constitution to carry out something that most of us in in this day and age thought unimaginable that is what is scary the fact that the fundamental document of our democracy can be twisted and molded Mm -hmm. so the government is planning to as today as of the 9th of August decided to partially open up communications 
it will continue to do so till bakreed which is on monday so yeah, i give it to bjp and i and the government in power that they made a decision kudos i'm glad i wasn't the one who made that decision but they made it but now they need to prove their metal in handling the situation once people are aware and vocal again and they can't keep it under tabs danish and i both would love to know what you think and more importantly we would love for you to think everybody needs to understand how tomorrow our nation could change our city could change our rights could change so please write to us on thinksomindia@gmail.com we will see you soon until next weekend thank you bye